Hey, McCall. Hey, Kirsty. How are you? Not bad. Uh, allergies are affecting me a lot lately, and that's to no surprise. We're going through that grass pollen season and headed right into ragweed as the temperatures continue to climb. Yeah, unfortunately, I, the, I've been really bad with my allergies as well, and I think I might actually be more sensitive to mold spores than I thought mm-hmm. initially. Um, mold spore count's been pretty high. Obviously, we've been really humid and um, ugh, so that hasn't helped me, but mm-hmm. this is going to be one of those seasons as well where the grass and the weed pollen likely will kind of have that overlap right. and that's not fun for people. So No, not at all, especially because we've had so many hot days where, you know, the grass is dying off and we're going to kick off that ragweed season perhaps early. I mean, it's been hot, Kirsty. I know, 90 degree days so far this year, we're up to 20 now. Uh, which, you know, I mean, we've had hot years like this before, but even last year we blew past the 90 degree days we had in July. 2012, yeah. I looked, well, you started this last night. You got me thinking too. 2012, I think is our most recent, um, in most people's memories, where we had uh, 19 90 degree days in July. Mm. So we're pretty close to that now. We have 15. We could easily do it Sunday, Monday, Saturday. Gosh, even yeah. Friday. I mean, I didn't expect us to hit 90 on Tuesday. That blew my high for the day. And, you know, we get that sun and I know. And what's crazy is that uh, last year was so hot. We had 29 days for the entire year. And on average for us in the Miami Valley, Dayton specific, 14 is what you would typically have for a year. And as you mentioned, we're at 20. Last year we had total 29. So I thought last year was hot. Right. I mean, 2020 is like, you just watch, watch me. <laughs> watch me beat you. Yeah, exactly. 2020 can, you know, kick rocks at this point, but <laughs> nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> well, oh man, speaking of hot uh, and dry and, you know, everything going on with the year, we have two of our most very special guests, our favorites. They have been on multiple times. Uh, we have Sam Custer as well as Aaron Wilson. Uh, Both give us our expertise when McCall and I talk about our agriculture and farm community. Uh, These are the guys. And of course, Aaron adding even more to our talk on climatology. So welcome, guys. Welcome to um, 2020. Of course, we're Zoom meeting, which isn't, I guess, not new for you two. McCall and I have gotten very familiar with Zoom. (laughs) To be honest, we did our first ever video podcast with you on Zoom. And you introduced us to it. Now McCall and I are like Zoom pros. Yeah. <laughs> so how are you guys? Doing well. And uh, we were glad to be able to share Zoom with you last year. And who would have ever dreamed that we now live on Zoom full time? It's crazy. Yeah. Welcome, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, it's good to be here. Certainly, uh, you know, five, six, seven meetings a day on Zoom is the norm now. So um <laughs> But weather goes, you know, weather and and climate keep on keeping on. We have to make sure that everyone out there has the information that they need, even perhaps even more importantly during a a time like now. I agree. That's a really good point, Aaron. And so when it comes to that information, uh, we're really, this could be for you, Aaron, or for Sam. Um, But let's first just talk about what is the status right now with um, both of your jobs? Because you both... You know, you both do something different, Um, but Sam, let's start with you because you're kind of like the extension outreach, um, you know, has has anything changed with COVID in terms of 
I'm assuming you can't really meet very much in person. Um, are you still able to talk to farmers in the area? How, what have you had to change so far? Yes, a, a lot has changed. Uh, primarily for me, uh, I had a job back on March 1st. So not only am I working out of Dark County as the Ag and Natural Resource Educator, but I work statewide now through the university, giving leadership to uh, all Ag and Natural Resource Educators across the state. So uh, I went to Columbus for a few days in March before we were sent home, and we quickly were given a couple hours to clear out of our campus offices, and so I grabbed all the computer equipment I could find. And uh, I've set up here at home. So we've been working out of our homes uh, to do our work. Uh, I can now, uh, we're, our county offices have begun to reopen uh, partially. Mm -hmm. we, everything's by appointment only. But uh, fortunately for me, uh, I do a lot of on-farm research. So I was able to get some research exemptions. So I have spent some time out on farms, uh, social distancing with farmers and be able to get out and do some scouting and take a look at issues across the farm. So although we work from home almost 99% of the time, I have been able to get out a little bit. Well, that's good at least. And Aaron, what about for you? Yeah, so similarly, I mean, uh, certainly life is on Zoom now. And, um, you know, so, so early on in the period, pretty much I've been home since about March 7th, I think was the date that I started working at home. Um, and uh, you know, we've uh, there at the beginning, there were a few online presentations and, and actual recordings that, that, that I uh, presented, you know, weather and climate information, and those continue to be used. One thing that's happened over the last several months, uh, several uh, groups within Extension, different areas, for instance, there's a cohort of uh, uh, Highland County, Brown County, and um, uh, Hamilton, Claremont counties as well that are doing a, a weekly Southern Ohio farm show. So, you know, being able to get on and, and present kind of one, two minute weather and climate overview for them. Or this week we talked there, they were talking about, uh, you know, some aviation aspects because of flying on fungicide, for instance, coming up. This is typically the time of the year. So they wanted to know, hey, you know, tell us a little bit about the atmosphere, the different levels of the atmosphere and what happens in the boundary layer close to the ground and, and why that's important. So, you know, one thing that I think is, is great within Extension, it's always about overcoming the obstacles and maintaining that level of communication. And it's, it's really forced us to think creatively about how we do that. Um, there's a nice video videographer group uh, within Extension out of Delaware County uh, that, that I provide a weekly uh, one to two minute segment on, on the conditions and they turn it into this fantastic, um, you know, uh, uh, little video, little video like film. Yeah. 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 So it's, so it's really cool, you know, cause I never saw myself as an on-camera meteorologist like right. you and Paul, but uh, certainly, you know, within extension communicating that, you know, the weather and climate continues to be, yeah. you know, part of what we're dealing with uh, on a daily basis, especially for our farmers. So we have, we've got to find other ways of getting that information to them. That is really I think what cool. it is, it's really interesting. And I think this day and age, more and more people, the average person is wanting to know more and more about weather and climate. It's becoming mm -hmm. a normal conversation where it was a bit more taboo only just a few years ago. And um, so I think being able to get that information out for people to consume is an awesome, awesome thing. 
Yeah, and I've always said, I mean, farmers are my favorite uh, weather consumers because it's, you know, guaranteed this is a, a community that can tell you what the temperature was to a tenth of a degree <laughs> and the precip to a hundredth of an inch. Yeah. Um, and there's no other group out there that, that does that on a daily basis. And that's why it's, it's I mean, they're all, they're all weather geeks like we are. Right. I mean, yeah. all farmers are weather geeks. And so it's a great community to work with. And Sam could probably, you could probably speak to this, Sam. I did um, the Dayton Green Expo, which was a lot about, you know, climatology, but they also had a farmer there. And uh, he talks about how a lot of farmers know what's going on, but some can be a bit stubborn with the idea of climate change. Is that, is that true? <laughs> right. Well, we were very fortunate to bring Aaron into Dark County. I don't know how many years it's been ago, Aaron, but uh, before Aaron was allowed to come, we he was given very strict uh, conversation pieces about what was taboo and what not yeah. to talk about. Aaron's been to Dark County now many times and across the state of Ohio, and, and he's kind of opened that door for us to think uh, widely. So it is, it's definitely a conversation. And I think if you went into the ag community and said, is the climate changing? Uh, I think 99% of, of the farmers out here across the state would agree that it, we are facing some things and, yeah. and that the ag community the opening comment in any conversation is how's the weather so yeah. we all rely on you or else we wouldn't know how to communicate yeah it's very true well sam you said that you have been able to get out a little bit so far this um spring into summer and kind of assess what's going on on farms. And obviously McCall and I monitor just not only people complaining about how dry their grass is, but immediately <laughs> it's like, oh, if your yard is, is dry, I can only imagine what is going on with our farm community. So let's get in a little bit to the fact that, you know, we've alluded it's hot. Uh, we have been relatively dry just overall at this point. Um, but, you know, what, what are some of the problems right now that they're facing in terms of now that we're kind of in, we're really in the middle, almost end of, summer. Um, so what's going on for them? So it has been a very interesting year. Uh, you all brought to us some very, very cold weather in May, mm -hmm. uh, right there about Mother's Day weekend. It seems like we always get that now, Mother's Day weekend. <laughs> right. Crazy. They're really testing so, the whole planting your garden thing on Mother's Day. <laughs> yes. So uh, we had corn that was planted early and soybeans, and that corn that uh, was planted uh, towards the end of April froze off. Um, oh. at ground level, um, but corn's very resilient. It popped right back and has come on very strong. So our our early planted crops, what guys were able to get out early uh, is looking pretty good out here. What, what I'm seeing is those people that feared the cold weather uh, that second week in May and waited till the third week of May to plant a significant amount of their acres, those crops plant development-wise are behind. And we're looking at, uh, they haven't even begun that pollination process. So they're a week or two away. If we continue to be in this dry cycle, uh, I'm not sure where they're gonna be. But those early planted crops, if you all talked about grass pollens and molds, well, I sat out on my porch this week and I can smell the corn. Yeah, um, someone else said that to me. <laughs> it is very, very, very strong. And so I've been on allergy pills all week this week uh, because uh, that early planted corn is really pollinating. So the rains, you uh, farmers are talking million-dollar rains every time. Yeah. <laughs> get on the TV and talk about rain. So 
uh, it has been awesome. So uh, corn and soybeans are uh, in that reproductive stage right now for some of the early stuff. Um, we do have late planted crops that are really, really struggling out here in West uh, Central Ohio. And uh, some of this stuff is starting to shoot tassels on four foot tall corn. So you might drive by and think, well, that's a popcorn field, but really it is field corn. So uh, a lot of variability. Okay. I'll say that I'm really excited. I was driving by a cornfield uh, just a few days ago, and they're in a much better position now than they were last year. I just remember how much rain we had. Those farmers couldn't get in the field, and then all of a sudden we had that flash drought. So, I mean, I know some of them are suffering, but I feel like it was more widespread of suffering last year. Is that true? That is very true, McCall. I, th I think we'll see some uh, very strong yields this, this fall if we continue to get some rain here and and uh, there will be some that, like a typical year, there'll be some that won't have uh, the yields they're looking for. But uh, overall, I think we're in much better position this year than last. That is a big relief because that was last year was really sad. Uh, speaking of corn, I'm going to ask Aaron this. At, we kind of talked about it earlier, but it seems like the perfect time. Um, Aaron, we had a couple uh, people. Well, first we had the National Weather Service in Wilmington post about um, corn. Uh, basically that helping to increase humidity. So um, let's talk about that a little bit because yeah, this year it's definitely been relevant. Um, so why don't you explain? If you do live near cornfields, people notice it. Um, it definitely can help to increase the amount of moisture because the corn itself is releasing moisture into the atmosphere. So I'm going to make you explain that even more now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, summer is an interesting time because, um, you know, when it, when it comes to things like drought monitoring or monitoring it, it, whether or not we've got enough moisture in the soil, it's more, it's, it's not just about the supply side. It's not just about the precip side. It's about the use. It's about the evaporation where we take that, that moisture that's at the surface and we evaporate it into the atmosphere. So, uh, which, you know, over the last couple of weeks when we were seeing temperatures in the mid to upper 90s, we were losing a good inch and a half to maybe an inch and three quarters uh, of, of moisture a week from That's the surface. Crazy. So if you're not seeing that much in, the, in, the, in terms of water coming down, uh, you know, you start to get some imbalances and, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But when it comes to corn, it's, 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 it's kind of that mid, mid to late July switch, right? Um, and, and in other parts of, of the country, like Iowa, it's really noticeable on a widespread kind of basis. But, you know, corn is really efficient at pulling soil moisture, pull, pulling soil from, from the moisture into the roots, transpiring through the leaves, and then that water then evaporates into the atmosphere. And we usually see a good bump up in that humidity level around mid to late July when corn is reaching that, that maturity. And so... Um, I, I think early on in our heat wave earlier in the month, we were a bit drier. You know, I was noticing highs in the 90s, but dew points in the 50s, for instance. Right. Uh, but now those 50, dew point, 50 degree dew points are gone, right? We, we even had some models indicating, hey, we could be in the low 80s, which is absolutely a max of what we see this time of year, ever, right? Yeah, right. Uh, Thankfully, we just stayed really in the 70s last yeah. week, I think, with the dew points. But, um, but yeah, certainly corn has an impact. And the more corn that you have, the more uh, you know, moisture you're going to put into the atmosphere through that transpiration and evaporation process. It's so neat. It is neat. And I literally just now while you were talking had like a moment because I knew this about corn, but I've had several people in the past just hit or miss saying, why is it so humid here? We don't live anywhere near an ocean. And just now I was like, 
well, that's that's probably why I, I just it's, <laughs> I knew the answer, course, but yeah, it, it it's incredible. Yeah, of course you have to have the soil moisture for that to right. work. So yeah. in some of the areas that have dried out, you know, it's not it, it's mm-hmm. it's not as efficient, and that's why in the summertime, you know, once you get dry soils, a lot of times it's really hard to reverse the trend unless you get a major pattern change. And so, uh, yeah, all of this stuff plays plays into it because that water just doesn't sit there like it does in February, right? It gets used yeah. by the crops, it gets evaporated, and so uh, yeah. I always it's, find it's, it interesting in in the early morning hours on a clear night that you can find the fog where the the cornfields are whereas sometimes in the the cooler seasons of the the year you'll find it near the water and uh, it's kind of the same idea of that fog forming because of the added moisture mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's really neat i think we lost oh recall no i'm still ah, here. there you are sorry it was like a little lag i was like wait is she talking new or is that the old thing you were saying Oh, Zoom. Zoom. Get it together. <laughs> McCauley had quite an interesting podcast last week with our Zoom experience. We really struggled. Um, so, Erin, you did kind of touch a little bit on this. Um, before we got into the corn, you had mentioned, I think it was soil dryness. Or, or we're, Let's yeah. go back into that topic real quick. Yeah. So, you know, we, we came, we were sitting in the springtime uh, with, with a good surplus of, of soil moisture, uh, throughout the entire column, really the top meter or top three feet of the soil surface was pretty saturated back in April and May. Uh, parts of Southeast Ohio, for instance, were in the 99th percentile again. Uh, since that period though, we've rapidly dried the soils out. We've lost a good 60 to 70 percentiles. We've got areas across West Central, I think really hard hit parts of Auglaise, Hardin, Champaign, Logan counties are really hard hit right now. Uh, where we're looking at, uh, you know, compared to historical averages, close to five to maybe 15 or 20 percent of what's typically seen for soil moisture this time of the year. And so, you know, these are, again, you know, why uh, overall conditions are pretty good for crops this year, but there are some places that are struggling um, and and that corn is short or curled up, you know, corn will conserve it. You know, it's once it gets really hot, it's wanting to conserve that energy. It'll roll up to protect itself. Um, but that then, you know, shuts down on the productivity and you, you ultimately can take a yield hit from that as well. So, uh, yeah, all of this, you know, the soil moisture is very important here. And certainly that's one of the aspects that goes into, you know, our drought monitoring this time of year. Super interesting. Sam, as we continue on through summer and get into fall, I guess just timeline wise, and this is just me not being a farmer, what is the, what's the timeline now for farmers? Like what are they trying to hit or accomplish as we continue towards the end of summer and get into the beginning of fall. So, you know, if we continue to evaporate this soil moisture, more of our counties, unfortunately, could look a little closer to what Logan and Champaign counties look like with that real dry soil. Um, so I guess, what are the farmers working against? They're, they want that rain, they're praying for that rain. So what are they working against as we head into the end of summer? So right now, um with corn and soybeans are in that reproductive stage, uh, especially for corn, that pollinating corn, we're setting the the length of ear at this okay. point in time, the number of kernels per row. Uh, back um, mid, mid-June, we were setting the number of kernels around an ear. Uh, now we're going length of ear. So uh, for us that uh, we've gotten an inch and a half or inch and three quarters of rain here in Dark County this week during pollination, 
you know, we added an inch probably to the ear this week. So uh, that was very good. Uh, growers are really looking if we have continued to have the high heat and humidities with these rains. Uh, we're looking at uh, disease pressure. So we know that uh, two weeks ago we were sharing that in this very dry weather, hot weather, uh, disease pressure isn't going to be there. So don't be applying fungicides. Uh, there's no economic return on that. We come back today and say, well, we probably ought to be watching where we are and may need to think about uh, pulling the trigger if our varieties uh, call for a response to fungicide. So uh, they're looking at that currently. Uh, we're probably two weeks away for those growers that planted late where they're gonna be in that uh, pollination reproductive stage that will determine their yields. We really need, especially on soybeans, it seems like we've got to have an inch of rain during the week of the Dark County Fair. If we get that inch, that, that finishes a soybean crop, uh, brings us that, that yield that we're looking for. So really, if we can get some rain between now and that third to fourth week of August, uh, that will bring a finish to our crops. And then we'll go into September and, and uh, start, to start the dry down period. Okay. So we have about a couple of weeks. That's the we window time. That. That's right. Get your rain every week from now until September 1st, and you'll be our heroes. All right. Got it, got it. We'll see if I can work my weather magic. Do it. <laughs> I will um, say, Aaron, can you speak to climate? Oh, go ahead, Kirsty. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. You're probably going to ask what I'm going to say. Go for it. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, climate, it, it's, it's, an evolving thing. So last year we were battling so much rain than a flash drought, and this year we're dealing with consecutive 90 degree days. Can you just talk about a little bit about why it can vary so much year to year, but how it all plays into the big picture? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the metaphor that I, I use, and it's not my metaphor, but I, I like to use it, is, is you're out walking your dog, your dog's on a leash. Right now, that dog's taking a certain path. It's it's visiting fire hydrants or McDonald's wrappers or other things that it's finding, uh, but you're likely not walking the very step by step with that dog. Right, you're taking a path along the sidewalk, which, from a climate perspective, a mean perspective, that's defining the path of the dog. Uh, so that's that's very much you know year to year. If you think about 2019 in Northwest West Central Ohio, as wet as it was. Now this year we're really dry, right? Um, and, and I always tease, okay, take 2019 plus 2020 divided by two and you have average conditions. <laughs> right. But if you look, you know, we don't experience average conditions, right? We also experience those extremes. And so it's very important to think of it in that, that regard. You know, weather and climate are similar, but they're different. Um, and we experience things on a weather, on a weather uh, scale, uh, but, but climate over the long term, you know, you, you're looking at patterns. You, you, you're pulling out patterns over longer term data. And certainly what we've seen in Ohio are wetter, primarily wetter, increasing precip, spring for sure, in uh, fall. Fall is when we've seen our largest trends since mid 20th century. Uh, but then summertime is a little bit of a wash. Even some areas of the state have declining or negative trends in precip for July and August, for instance. And so from a, from a management standpoint from agriculture, how do you deal with wet spring planting season, wet harvest, and a dry season during the, during the growing season. It's a challenge. And, and, and I think it's something that, you know, those are the things that farmers are recognizing. They're, they're seeing those, uh, those changes that are taking place. 
I have kind of a little tough question for you, and I've had this question before, and I'm just interested to hear your response to people that say the data about climate change only goes back several decades. How do we know that, you know, we didn't have this before data was kept? Yeah, so um, there's a couple of things to unpack there, right? Certainly, uh, as time has past we've we've increased the number of observations that we have and that gives us more confidence in our more recent trends so we talk a lot about things that have changed since um the mid-20th century but across right. the northern hemisphere we've had you know we have a good station network going back to at least the late 1800s and so you know a lot of times we'll talk about state rankings you know how does this year uh uh, rank or how does this year, for instance, we're on trend to be the second warmest on the globe since 1880, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's very clear about the period of which we we have confidence. It's all about how confident are we are are we in in terms of those changes. Now, in the distance past, you know, Earth leaves a lot of clues for us to investigate. Um, you know, part of what I do is working at the Bird Polar and Climate Research Center here on campus, and a lot of those folks are researching changes in our ice. Yeah. our glaciers and our ice sheets. And, and we have really strong clues from uh, our, our ice sheets. You know, when snow falls, it's 90% air and 10% ice. Uh, but over millennia, that compacts down to 90% ice and 10% air. And the air that gets trapped in those bubbles that can be extracted and analyzed can tell us, hey, this much carbon dioxide was in the atmosphere 800,000 years ago. And we know that correlates with our temperatures as well. So during our, our coolest periods of, of time, we know that we've had, you know, less carbon dioxide in the air or more carbon dioxide in the air. And we can see how those change throughout time. And ice is just one. We look at trees. We look at sediments from the Arctic Ocean. Uh, we, we trace pollen, uh, pollen changes, uh, lake level changes. We, 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 we can't rely on a single form of evidence. It's really about being an, uh, an investigator uh, and, and pulling all of these pieces of evidence together. And that's what we try to do. That was great, Aaron, and so true. One of my favorite professors at Ohio University is a climatologist, and he has spent a lot of time uh, on our glaciers, studying the ice in Antarctica. Um, and so, yeah, that's just, it's crazy when you, you stop and think it's not just a thermometer, um, you know, at a weather observation site, but the earth itself is a big puzzle. And that's, you know, part of the job. That's also why climatology is a specific discipline. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times people think, oh, well, you're a meteorologist, you should know it all. And no, we do educate ourselves. We have a, a background as well in climatology, but um, we are not climatologists. That's why it's a whole field, a whole scientific yeah. field for that reason, because, you know, that is part of what the research is going into is looking at the tree rings and looking at sediment and, you know, the glaciers. And it's, it's so interesting. Um, but that was wonderful, Aaron, for anybody that maybe still kind of doubts about yeah. what's going on with our changing climate. You know, remember it's, we're not just pulling temps. We are there. There are scientists that are dedicated to really digging deep in the earth. So that was wonderful. And I, and I think, you know, over the last 20 years, you know, initially it was about temperature, but over the last 20 years, you know, it, it's, it's making the case of those connections, you know, changes that are taking place in the, in the Arctic or Antarctic contribute to sea level rise, but it's been a really long time since Ohio has been under an ocean. <laughs> or been under or been under ice you know thousands right. of years we've been under ice 
What's the personal connection? Well, there are changes here that impact our lives from health to transportation to farming, all of these, these vital connections that we have. So it, it's just, it's a fascinating area of science and, and, and coupling the two is really, you know, really, I don't know, I consider myself very blessed to be able to do that. Just nerding out all together, everybody here. <laughs> all the time. All the time, every day. Watching this, yeah. And by the way, if you're watching this Zoom, you're seeing my daughter running around in the Idea. Hey, but she's been really good, though. <laughs> um, so, Aaron, real quick, and Sam, for you as well. Uh, with COVID moving forward now, uh, I guess this is more of a Sam question. Will you be able to continue visiting your farms? Are there meetings held? Like, let's say that we continue with the high heat and we stay kind of wet and then all of a sudden we start to, our crops start to have to deal with disease more than we thought. How are you able to get that information out? Is this something that's been changing or have you gotten used to maybe reaching out to your farm networks, you know, via the internet or just doing drive and at least tell one farmer and then he'll tell his, you know, that kind of thing. How is that communication path changing? Because you know, you may end up having to deal with more disease now. We, we kind of have to see how this plays out. Right. So we, we definitely are doing uh, business differently now. Uh, we used to almost all of our extension meetings were face-to-face -face meetings, and that's kind of what we relied on as we took our specialists like Aaron and took him around the state of Ohio and, and uh, fed him meals all over Ohio so he could figure out what his best meal was. Today we change. Uh, way back in March, as we started uh, this COVID and not being able to get around the state, we went virtual and we did a lot of online trainings. Uh, tremendous success there. We rolled out a program in, in March. We called it March uh, or Ag Madness. Uh, <laughs> it replaced the NCAAs. And nice. the response to that was amazing. The hits that we had. So you will see OSU Extension uh, roll up uh, virtual meetings to respond to any crises that come and also being proactive in, in bringing trainings uh, across the board this winter uh, will most likely be virtual. Uh, Farm Sanctuary View is one. Farm Sanctuary View, if you ever drive to Columbus, Ohio on I-70, there at London, the university has a property and uh, we have one of the uh, world premier farm shows there every September. Uh, last Tuesday, we announced that we wouldn't have an on-site review. So we will be bringing uh, what we think will be the top virtual farm show in the world uh, to you in September as, as we've got a team working as we speak uh, to put that program together. So it's, it's different. Growers now can, from their combine, um, be educated. From their lazy boy chair, right. be educated. <laughs> Uh, from their phones while their kids are climbing all over them can be educated. So, and, and we've seen it all as, as Aaron and I have been on Zooms, like he said, six or seven hours a day. That's, that's just how we operate now. Oh, well, I think that's really encouraging, Sam, and, and wonderful to hear that our agriculture community is very much um, supported by the Ohio State University and your extension branch. So, that's good to know. Hopefully they won't need a ton of support and they'll continue to get rain and it won't be too hot and we'll have perfect farm crops for them to yield in the fall. Um, McCall and I will work our magic there. Uh, but Aaron, let's just do a quick follow-up with you. As you move forward now into the end of summer, 
Um, what are you, I guess, are you seeing anything? What are you going to be, are you working on any projects maybe as you present? I know that you do a lot of the U.S. Drought Monitor stuff. You work directly with them. Yeah. And I've seen your reports that you'll do. So what are you looking at now as we end, uh, start to get towards the end of summer? And we do need a pattern shift. We also might be getting a little more active in the, in the Atlantic hurricane season. So that might help us out. Maybe. Yeah. So that, that you're, you're spot on with what we're, <laughs> what we're talking about. We are, you know, I, I think it's always hard to see a pattern shift until you're through it. And then you notice, right. I think we're in, this, in that slight pattern shift. We, if we want to geek out a little bit more, we can talk about the North Atlantic oscillation <laughs> uh, uh, and, and stuff like that, but maybe, maybe not, maybe not for this one, but uh, <laughs> certainly an opportunity for a little bit more rainfall. Uh, we do have to watch those hurricanes. I mean, look, we've got, uh, is it Gonzalo now? Yeah. Right. So, yep. um, fastest to G certainly yep. since 1953 when we started naming the storms. And so an, an active hurricane season likely tied to the, the, um, at least the hint of the La Nina conditions that are forming in right. the Pacific ocean. So this is uh, cooler sea surface temperatures in the tropical Pacific, which tend to not have a big impact in Ohio until our winter season, mm -hmm. uh, but can lead to more hurricanes in tropical systems in the Atlantic. And, and who knows when those come ashore? Uh, certainly we, we know Ike, we know, yeah, we, Isabel, get those remnants. We, know <laughs> we know the impacts from those remnants. And so, uh, you know, I don't think we want to see nine, 10, 12 inches of rain in September and October when we're <laughs> trying to harvest. Uh, so, so that's what, you know, we'll be watching. And of course, uh, continue to monitor the drought, uh, you know, helping to coordinate the state's effort on the U.S. Drought Monitor. Uh, a great team of hydrologists from all the National Weather Services around around the state and, um, and, and others at the state agencies and ODA and Extension. So we'll be watching, you know, that drought monitor and hopefully we'll, you know, slow that down a bit. Yeah. As we as we progress and, and kind of not get into worse conditions, we don't want to see that. Um, and that's really that's really what I'm looking forward to for the rest of the summer. And there'll be some presentations and some opportunities already scheduled uh, to do online uh, presentations to talk about weather, to talk about climate. Um, continue popping into some of the local extension offices uh, that the, you know uh, the educators like Sam and, and others, all Glaze County. Uh, you know, bringing me in to say, hey, you know, what's the update? What are we looking at? All of the different ways we can get information to the farmers. Uh, and it's it's always a lot of fun. So uh, busy as always, but I, I, I love <laughs> it. I love it. Well, that is wonderful. You guys will be very busy. We will be busy as well. Um, and everybody who watched and listened to us, thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast. And you could also watch these video versions on our WHIO streaming app for any smart TV. Thank you for joining us on Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.